This is Janine Letford, founder of Cafe Intercreative Strategies. And if you want to learn how to level up and be successful through masterminds, then you should listen to my good friend, Brandon Straza with the Mastermind Effect. You love to learn, grow, and improve yourself, but you're still not where you want to be? The right mastermind can be the ultimate secret weapon when it comes to personal development, but trying to find the one that's built for you isn't always easy. Welcome to the Mastermind Effect, the one and only show that focuses on helping you cut through the noise, invest in yourself, and move past your natural limits. This is everything you need to know about masterminds, brought to you by your host, Brandon Straza. Hey everyone, today we've got the founder of Cafe Strategies, America's creative coach, Janine Letford. Janine explains how you can connect the diamonds around you to create new experiences. She lets us know how your creative health affects your financial wealth. And Janine walks us through what it means to have intercultural creativity. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show where you know I believe the only way to unlock your potential is to tap into the experience of others. And today, to help us do that, we have got the founder of Cafe Intercreative Strategies. Janine Letford. Janine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Really happy to be here. Absolutely. When the, when the listeners realize all the golden nuggets that you're dropping, when they realize just the value that you're bringing to them today, what is the best place through social or personally that they can reach out to you, whether they want to work with you or just learn more about you? I'm on LinkedIn and I'm really Visibly on LinkedIn, my personal page on Facebook. Also, uh, there's a business page and Twitter. But if you really want to get me right away, go to LinkedIn so we can link up. Yeah, no, absolutely. Head over to LinkedIn. That's where, like you said, you're super active on. And uh, the nice thing with LinkedIn, you don't always get bombarded with a lot of marketing messages. Hopefully, it's real connectivity and people that want to actually make changes, want to solve problems, and want to actually create solutions. And that's what you're about. That's one of the many things that you're about at the end of the day. Yes, yes. I'm all about creativity, creative thinking, and coining a new term and really pushing out a new idea to help America move forward, intercultural creativity. I think that's the new big idea for 2021 and beyond. All right. So before, you know, we kind of get into some other questions, even though this is a question, would you ex- would you give us a little bit more into the intercultural creativity? Did I get that right or did I... Perfect. If you wouldn't mind, give us a little bit more about that. So we'll talk about it a little, you know, throughout, but I'd love to hear about it since you brought it up. Sure. So creativity is now the number one skill needed in the workforce. The World Economic Forum is saying it, just the research is coming out over and over and over again. We need creative thinkers. And there's actually research that shows that as you go through the school system, starting at five years old, you're at 98% of your creative genius. So Research shows that you are at 98% of your creative genius when you're five, but going through a system that really focuses on convergent thinking, tested, uh, testing, con- confirmation, or um, conform, conforming, just those type of thinking strat- strategies, that lowers your creative thinking ability. So people, by the time they hit 18 or about 10%, by the time they're in their 30s, only 2% are holding on to their genius level creative think- thinking ability. So I'm trying to be a solution with that. First of all, getting people to understand that creativity isn't just artistry. It's connected, but it's so much more than artistry. And I'm redefining it as the process of problem finding 
and problem solving with relevance, value, and novelty. So that is what it means to think creatively. And entrepreneurship is all about creative thinking. And looking at that it's a cognitive skill, you can actually work at it and get the skills up and really have an imaginative experience and open to experience and know how to metaphorically think. Those are the skills that I work on, my, my training curriculums work on. But the kicker is the intercultural part. In order to be creative at work in your life, normally you're creative with other people. And a lot of times because we're in a global landscape, especially after this pandemic and because of technology, the world is getting smaller. So a lot of times you're working in teams and with people who have different backgrounds than you, different lived experiences and different cultures. And by cultures, I don't just mean ethnicity cultures, but just, you know, genders and social economic experiences and education levels and fields and disciplines. And so the research also shows that Innovation happens at the intersection between these cultures, these disciplines, and these fields. And that's what intercultural creativity is about. They both rest on the same skills, such as cultural observation, curiosity, perspective shifting. And so because I'm an elementary school teacher by trade, I took the gift that I have to really make these concept or, or these complex con concepts digestible and implementable for people to start utilizing them to think, quote unquote, outside the box. But like you said, not even have a box to really be around or be contained by, but just think expansively and get to the solutions we need for 2021 and beyond. Wow. I mean, if we ended it right there and saying what you're about, your mission, vision, values, what you're doing, what the movement that you're creating, the importance of it, whether it was today, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever it was, it's always going to be important, present and going forward and, and, and past. And uh, you, you left, you, you gave us so much right there. I like, like, and we've got so much more to go. So thank you for sharing your message, what you're building towards. And uh, I look forward to, you know, eventually maybe a strategic alliance in, in what we're building, you know, over at the success finder and finding those, as we said, the Sally's of the world. That's really important. I'm so glad that is a part of your, your mission because looking at the adults that I deal with now, a lot of the blocks I see are built in the childhood years. The formative years are from zero to about 12-ish or so. And that's really when you build your belief systems of, of who you are, your cultural systems, how you interact with, with, with the world and how the identity really just, you know, is the foundation. So if people, if you're having kids who are dealing with these identity issues or they don't think they're creative or they don't have the skills to work interculturally with other people, now we're throwing them into the workforce and saying, be creative, be in innovative and go work with people who have lived experiences that you've never experienced before. And so one of the things that I'm writing about in the book that's coming out, out this, this year and in my trainings is intercultural development that's what it is. It's a developmental process. So no one would ask a five-year-old to do trig trigonometry because you know developmentally that five-year-old is not there yet. But you're never going to say, you know, you're never going to do trig, but you, you're going to put him in a situation or her to get the skills to one day get to the level to do that type of high level math. Intercultural development is the same way. It's a skill that we need to give pe people so they can get from a monocultural mindset to an intercultural global mindset and really learn how to create with people from different backgrounds. 
Yeah. And not to go down, you know, too many rabbit holes on what I'm about to say here, but I think in, in the States, we, we don't look at things or we hadn't been teaching things on a global level. We're kind of like, oh, you're in this state or this country. And whereas when you do travel overseas and you get to learn from other cultures, it's very common for them to speak multiple languages, understand multiple dialects, understand multiple cultural differences. And we kind of just sit there inside. So I'm not going to go any further than that, but like, it's so, so true. And, and because your background in education, this one's like, you know, Hey, I, I can't wait to hear about this. You know, I think our ability to learn has really changed over the last five, 10 years. When you and I were younger, it was, you know, teachers and textbooks and family, friends, our coworkers, the people around us, but that's really only a sliver of what's possible. How has your learning changed from your early years versus today? I have so much there because once again, I'm an educator, so I see the system there, but I don't know if you know about my first book and I definitely need to send you a copy. It's called From Debt to Destiny, Creating Financial Freedom from the Inside Out. And I talk about how I came out from under $100,000 worth of debt as a 30-year-old who had no financial literacy at all. And I remember you know, holding that, that student loan bill in my hand and the, the credit card bill saying, why am I a UCLA graduate? And I don't know this basic information. And so when you talk about learning, I had to self-teach everything. And I, I just gobbled up every book, every video, and went to um, even a, a course to learn about financial literacy, which I felt should have been taught to me during my formative years and beyond. So as far as learning, we need to tell our children and to remind adults that it's a lifelong process and it's actually a skill to, to train yourself to learn because you because there's so much information there and we're bombarded with so much data. It's not access to data, not um, per se, because we have access. It's knowing how to to discern. It's knowing how to, to discriminate and it's knowing how to synthesize the data. So that's what I'm doing now while I'm writing my book. There's tons of data on intercultural development, creative thinking, diversity and inclusion, bias training. My job is to see who's credible and then synthesize it to make my, my point. And that's a great skill that everyone now needs to move forward. Wow. Uh, so much right there. And, and I want you to really listen and even rewind to what Janine just said. And I'll, I'll take this per, you know, I'll take this internally. So you realize that one of the people that you hear on a continuous basis was there. I had stopped my learning for probably over 20 years. Now I was successful, but I hadn't surrounded myself with the right people in the right order. And when I decided, when I realized I had stopped learning and I had people around me says, you need to start finding, you know, new crowds to be in the world opened up. I've built a few companies since then, and we're building another one right now based off of the fact of surrounding yourself and continuing to learn. We should never stop learning. Netflix, you're not learning. Watching that documentary might be fun, but it's not teaching you. It's, it's the experiences. Like we say at the beginning of the show, we learn from others' experiences because they can help you see around a corner. They can help you before you step into a landmine because they're in the trenches right there. Yeah, there's a few points there. I'm, I'm, I'm a big word person, so I'm going to throw a few big words, but then I know how to break it down. There is social contagion. So you're actually highly affected by who you are around. And once you really understand that, that the brain, the research of the brain, that your brain is getting in sync with who you are around, creativity is contagious. Fear is contagious. Complacency is contagious. So 
Yeah. I'm like, um, just you're linking up with people on LinkedIn who are doing great things and who are doing uh, CEO work and who are just putting out great content. That's pushing me to do that as well. And then there's another concept you, you brought out that exposure openness to experience is actually the number one indicator of highly creative thinkers in order to think creatively you have to connect the dots i actually call it connecting the diamonds because that's my logo shine bright like a diamond right and so uh so we connect the, the the diamonds here and the different facets and what's going on. But in order to increase the diamonds that you're connecting, you have to have new experiences. And so that actually connects back to what you're saying with your your surroundings, you're the people. The people will bring you into new experiences because they have their own experiences that they're gonna expose you to. So there's a part in the brain called your foraging network, and they can actually look at chemicals in your brain to see if you're a high forager, if you're one to really go out there and take risk and to meet new people and to try new new things. Um, and it actually shows with the diameter of your pupils. So people who actually have larger pu- pupil re- at rest periods, I know, <laughs> like I stare into my son's and and they can track this, this chemical, norepinephrine, to see what is your ability to take risk and be creative? So there's so, so, so much there, but it's really important to teach younger people this, to be mindful of who you're around and to be mindful of how many times in a week or a month are you having new experiences and gaining new stories from the people you're meeting, like almost track it just to see. Is this going to be in the new book? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. And you got to go buy the new book because I'm already sitting here sweating. I'm like, I want, I, I you know, yeah. So, all right. We'll have in the show notes below, like when it's going to release, maybe when we can update the show notes, but yeah, that's uh brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. All right. And we've, we've taken in so much and it kind of leads into the next thing, which is we have more ways to take in information than ever before. And it can be confusing. It can be like information overload. Some people, they learn from a mentor, a mastermind, a coach, an accountability buddy, YouTube university, online courses, lots of ways to learn. Who are you currently learning from? And more importantly, how did you find them? That is a great question. First of all, I'm very, because I grew up with a speech impediment, had years of speech therapy and couldn't communicate well, but I reframe that and see how that was actually a blessing and a benefit because it heightened my abilities to have emotional intelligence. So I can read people very well. I can read their emotional state. And I can also sense through vocabulary use and through the way that they communicate, whether they're academically or experientially advanced than, than me. So like you probably heard the quote, you don't want to be the smartest person in, in the room, right? And definitely the room should be the smart, smartest person in the, the room, the collective genius, right? So I just look at people who, like I said, who are posting really interesting things that I'm not aware of. I've had a lot of people reach out to me in the past two weeks. They're like, what is this term intercultural creativity? People have heard that, oh, I'm a creative I'm a, a creative thinking specialist, or, or I talk about creativity, and people I've heard about the DNI and you know inclusion work, but no one's heard of intercultural creativity. So a lot of people are reaching out to me because I am presenting this new inf- information. So that's what I do. I look for people who are presenting information that I have not been exposed to, and I also look for people who are action folks, because you said we have a lot of information coming at 
us, like I said before, getting the data is not the hard part now. It's the, it's the doing, what are you going to do with the data? And then what are you going to, as Seth Godin says, ship, what are you shipping out? And people who are putting out content, either writing books or just really contributing during their time here, during their limited time on the earth, those are other people that I want to connect with because I know they're, they're progressive. So you, you have kids, correct? Yes. And, and you're aware of milestones, you know, kids, children have milestones growing up, like by two years old, they should be doing this. They should be doing this by three, da, da, da. And so I say, okay, well, what are our milestones for adults? You know, where are you hitting your milestones? So I watch how people are hitting their personally set milestones. And a lot of people don't even have their own milestones. They think when they turn that tassel that the growth and progress is done and it's actually just begun. That's why it's called commencement. Yes. Yes. And and you mentioned, you know, when you turn that tassel, you're, you're, you know, people think, and I, I think it's more, it's, it's built into our DNA, but you, you can you can move against that. You don't have to go that route. And I, I think the the younger generations that you're reaching and and that we're wanting to reach are are going to realize that they're going to go away from the technology. They use technology to help themselves, but they're they're going to go back to that human connection. See it, touch it, feel it. How do I connect with someone that I do or don't know, and what can we give to each other? And I think that's a really important aspect is this, this, this young generation now and the current generations. I'm not saying we can't retrain, reframe how we do things. I learned mm-hmm. how to do that. So, I mean, like at different ages, but again, it comes from surrounding yourself with the right people. And, and when you get rid of something, you get rid of an idea, a thought, a person, you have to be careful what you refill that with, because you're always going to refill it with something. And if you refill it with something that's more potent or poisonous, it's it's going to help shake it up. So watch when you say, okay, it's time for me to change up what you refill that cup with because you only have so much room in your cup. So true. So, you know, as we were saying, when you refill it, you need to pay attention to what you're refilling that with because you could get rid of a bad belief and replace it with a worse belief. I've heard people are like, I read a book and I changed everything I did based off of this book. And it's just like, I want you to take a step back <laughs> before you just change your life based off of one book. And that's a good point. I think as a, a society, we, we need to do a better job of learning how to have active reflection and have really to look at what our goal is for success. You know, like your goal may be different than mine, you know, depending on our, our values, beliefs, and, you know, the structures that, that we're, we're in. And because we bring people through a system that says one thing and then into a society that says your worth is based on the car you drive and the clothes that you wear. And people are just kind of blindly following, not really asking themselves what is really important to me. And that was a huge shift when, when I wrote, wrote the book uh, that to destiny, I said, I had to redefine that word success. Cause then I realized, you know, let me just get a Kia. I'm cool with you know, that type type of car. And I really want to focus on using my wealth and my money to build something of purpose. I don't want to put $80,000 in a car. And this is my personal choice to someone else. It might be something different and that's totally okay. But I think we just need to be aware of the choices we're making and the opportunity cost of those choices and the end result. Because I realized at the end of my life, I don't get to take the car with me, but 
I do get to leave my books here. You know, we, we speak to people who have been gone for hundreds of years because they left their ideas here. And we need to really reevaluate the, the power of the idea. And that's why I do the work that I do. Yeah. And we, we talk about this occasionally on the solo shows is, you know, defining success and, and leaving a legacy. You know, I used to think leaving a legacy was a dirty, like, oh, but it's not. The legacy that you leave and the knowledge that it helps other people, the pebble in the pond or the mountain in the ocean can last a lifetime, can continue after we're gone on what legacy we decided to solve a problem, change the world and, and, and move the needle forward. Very true. Very true. Yeah. I mean, you know, just talking about people in general, I feel that we get stuck from time to time and we don't know how to execute what's in our head. We're still going through a pandemic, you know, wherever you are in the world. We're still going through that. To me, though, it's causing a reset in how we're able to accomplish things. How have masterminds and coaching helped you when you're looking to reset yourself and get unstuck? Well, part of my training talks about perspective shifting. And when you have a mastermind and when you have a coach, you know, you're able to see the frame because you can't see yourself when you're in, in the frame. Mm -hmm. And so I did track and field all through, you know, my childhood and even to UCLA and no one would have the goal to get to the Olympics without a coach. I mean, that would be crazy when you're talking about it in athletics. But people have these big lofty goals in life and they're like, but coaching, but a mastermind, but I call them a board of directors. So the top, you know, organizations, nonprofit corporations, they have a board of directors. They have someone or the whole team of people who usually have different positions, different fields, different uh, diversity, right? Different points of view to help them lead this organization. So I built my own board of directors, either some paid, some not paid, some in academic, even as a mother. You know, I have a funny story where my, my son, who is now three, you know, when he was born, he was like holding his ear. And I'm like, oh, you know, he's trying to drop a fat beat. Hey, what? And, and my, my caretaker, she was like, no, I, I think he has a, a ear inf infection. You should go get that checked out. And sure enough, you know, it was an ear infection, but I didn't see it because I don't have those set of experiences that she has. So you want people in your life who have other set of experiences just to broaden that. Yeah, absolutely. And you mean you surround yourself with the right people in the right order. They're going to be able to point out things that we just don't know because you can't be the best at everything. It might not be your specialty, but they can see it for you. And amazing, amazing. So, you know, since we're talking and well, about- I'm sorry, one, yeah. one last point on that, what I, I think is crucial that I actually got from Seth as well, Seth Godin. Sometimes we think it's just the passage of academic knowledge or just, you know, here, do this, do that, do that. A lot of times I found it's the passage of courage and it's the passage of bigger thinking. And so I, as an elementary school teacher in 2014, you know, um, someone was brought into my life who really pushed me to think, not necessarily to think bigger because the work that I'm, I was doing at that time is, is great as well. Working with children is such a great and um, important profession. But in America, sometimes it can be like, oh, you're just a, a teacher, which, you know, bugs me because teachers are so awesome. But he wanted me to think bigger as far as my speaking and as far as what I was worth, you know, and when you're a teacher, you kind of get on that pay scale. So to imagine that someone can pay you thousands of thousands of thousands of dollars for your information, for your ideas was not in my mental map. So yeah. he had to blow that open. So going to coaching and getting that mastermind 
gets that transfer of courage and enlarges your view of you. So you actually have an idea of what you are worth and what you can really contribute. Yeah. I love that, that, wow. The transformation of just right there, everything you said, um, you know, sticking in the mastermind world since, you know, coaching and masterminds, masterminds have been around for, for a long time. Probably the first one, if we think about it was the apostles. <laughs> and then from there, Benjamin Franklin creates the leather apron club or the Junto club. And then this guy, Napoleon Hill, writes a book, kind of brings it full circle and defines a little bit more, you know, the word of mastermind. As there continues to be a huge boom in self-education, where do you see the parallels going between self-education and standardized education? And I love because I'm talking to an educator. I have educators in my family. I've taught at the, the college level. My mom's taught at all different levels. And the fact that you get both sides. I can't wait to hear what you're going to have to say on this. I can't wait to say it. <laughs> so yeah, I, and I have interesting views. So when, especially now that I have a child, he's not in, in the, the, he's not school age yet, but I've, I've seen some things. So when you look at this, the system, right, the educational system, especially from my point of view of being an African-American fem a female and that aspect as well, the standards are set up to educate masses of people at the same time. And it, it's a difficult job. It is not easy, you know, whatever, but there's policy there. And when you understand two concepts of time and change, people who have control of time and change have control of your, your, your growth. Meaning as a child, as a five-year-old, you should be learning your alphabet, identifying the letters, identifying the sounds with the letters. You should be knowing your, num your numbers and knowing how to count and understanding number fluency. Okay, my child was one and a half and he already has that down, right? So if I would go by the standards set by our nation, I would wait till he's five to do that. But because I'm an individualized educator, I'm saying, you know what? He's ready and he has a great mem memory. So he's walking around talking about you know, okay, I can wait. I have delayed gratification. Yes. My three-year-old is saying that. And he understands the concept. Why? Because I understand how to build his vocabulary and build conceptual knowledge by where he is. Now, when you're going through an educational system, everyone's kind of clumped together, no matter if they're advanced or below, they kind of teach to them the middle and it's difficult. You know, it's, it's hard. We try to do individualized instruction, but it's still difficult. You still get a lot of kids who kind of fall through the cracks, they either get bored because they're too advanced or, or they need some more support. So once again, I, I love our teachers. So many of them are doing, doing so well and doing the best, but it is a difficult task. So that's why parents really need to be mindful of how they can fill in the gaps. With this individualized learning, I think students and adults, but definitely students, so it becomes a part of who they are, need to understand how to fill in there are those learning gaps. So I need to teach my son, if there's something you want to know more about, here are avenues for you to research. You can ask an adult, you can find a book on it. You, you can look for a safe video on, uh, on, on it. Like, don't wait for me to be the disseminator of inf information. And I think that's sometimes our, what our, what people have, they have the one guru or the one teacher in the room. And I can only learn from this one place. We have to dispel that and say, you are the, the master of your educational ship. What do you want to do? What do you want to con contribute? And how can you build? You know, it's all about build building. How can you, you build? Yeah. I, I just, everything you're saying there feels like our, our households are unbelievably aligned in how we're raising 
that next generation to be able to be problem solvers, to be able to, you know, not have instant gratification and how to sit there and realize that you have, uh, you might have uh, more availability or privilege than the next person. And how do you help that person and, and surround yourself with those people that need the help and what you have access to? So absolutely. Um, you know, I'm trying to think how I want to really word this one. Typically when people, because you just so much coming at me right there. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I love this. <laughs> you know, typically when people invest in themselves, they have a better than vague idea of what the outcome is going to be. Some form of expectation. What should people expect when they enter Janine's reality and work with you? As 2020 taught us, we have no idea what the future looks like, correct? Yes. And so because I believe, you know, to think creatively, there are some skills and abilities that you want to strengthen and adaptability is one of them. When I first started this company, I was all about, you know, creative think of thinking and, and creative thinking from, from the childlike view, view, viewpoint, which I really do believe in. And we still harbor that. But now, as you can see, all of my branding and all of my work is now an intercultural creativity. So I had to build, build, build. And then I, I sensed a small shift of saying, wait, you know, these, these, these two things aligned. And then I sent in the trademark and I, I, you know, I'm just working on that. And so I had to be sensitive to what's going on culturally, what's going on in our nation, what does the world need and how are my gifts going to answer that. And so what I teach people in the intercultural creativity framework is how do you basically tangle dance? How do you be adaptable with the, the ways of the winds and still be true to who you are and your values, but still adapt, know how to pivot, know how to grow because you're sensitive to the climate around you. So, you know, one of our modules are, uh, is perspective shifting and authentic adaptation. And those are two things in creative development and intercultural development, working well with people from different ba backgrounds. So that is a key skill to have as we move forward. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I think that I got stuck in for years was I had created this business. And so I was always surrounding myself with the same people that were in the same line of work. The problem was, is we couldn't creatively think about how to change things and do things differently and help the people around us that either A, worked with us or B, came to us for services. And when you look to say, all right, I'm done with this way of thinking and, and you surround yourself, it's like if you look on your street, everyone looks the same and every house looks the same. But what good does that do? How does that help you move the needle? And so it's literally getting out of your comfort zone because I believe comfort kills and sitting there and saying, how can I learn from someone else that might have a different upbringing, a different thought process, but still has that give mentality. You can accomplish so much more internally, externally, and, and it's the, the, the world's your oyster at that point. There's a term called the Medici effect, which is a book as well. You might enjoy it. And he basically yeah, says the quote that I said earlier in the show that innovation happens at the intersection, right, of cultures, fields, backgrounds. And they also talk about the barriers, right? Some people have low association barriers and some people have very high association barriers. So people with lowest association, association barriers, they've really experienced different types of 
experiences and people and and locations and fields and and I and so when they're doing that one thing that one biz business thing they're able to draw in all of these unique connections that no one else sees because they've stayed in their one lane and so I've really enjoyed that I was raised with an amazing mother who kind of knew that intuitively she didn't have all the high academic words to describe it but you know we were like the only black family like at the Niagara Falls but to stand there and to listen to the rumbling of that and to see the massive power out does reading about it in a book in any day. And then so she just had us traveling all around the country, which gave me the, the courage and the desire to take it to the next level and start going out of the uh, country and then off of the, con- the continent. And when you do that and you put yourself in a different situation, it makes you reflect, right? Learning doesn't happen from you going through the experience. Learning happens from you reflecting upon that experience. And so reflecting back, seeing, okay, well, how is my life in America now that I've seen, I've been in Hiroshima, Japan, and looked where the bomb was, was, was dropped. I only learned about that war from the American perspective, but now I get to see it from another perspective. So yeah, just getting out of that block (laughs) of homes and going out is very, very important. Love it. Love it. You know, the, the, the people that you work with, I'm sure sometimes from time to time, they have a way of surprising you. Give us a success story. If you wouldn't mind, if you can use names and experiences greater, if you just have to use generalities, but give us a success story of someone that worked with you through your coaching, through your team. And what was the outcome because of it? Sure. I had a, a young man, I don't forget the name of his business per, uh, per, per se, and he did a very intricate type of business. He really looks at the books of a business and finds out where money is like just flying out the door, right? And so they just really want to make sure that people are being efficient with their cash flow. And when you're dealing in that type of business, you're asking, you're asking people to open up their books and to be vuln- vulnerable. So it's a very, you know, in, intrusive kind, kind, of, uh, kind of relationship um, at, at first. So you really want to build that, that trust. But he found out he had a hard time communicating that. And so I'm a big storyteller. If you're going to be creative, especially creative in, in entrepreneurship, you have to know how to be a good storyteller. And you have to understand how the brain works with story. And so I was like, listening to really what he was doing. And I was like, it kind of sounds like you're a plumber (laughs) almost, you know, because he's finding the leaks within a business. And I was like, you know, we, we should develop a metaphorical story around that because everyone who lives in a home has dealt with plumbing issues. We've dealt with that internal, internal, um, angst, of, of having that trouble. We've dealt with people coming to our, our home who we might like, okay, you know, what's your deal about? So with him really hashing that out and using that story to connect with people's emotions, you know, don't forget people see what's going on through their emotional lens first, and then they logically think about it. So I, I just really trained him well with, with, just mapping that out and, and presenting it well and and looking at nonverbal communication and just connecting emotionally well with his client. And he's done a, 
done very, very well. I, I don't have exact numbers with me now, but really connecting with potential clients through metaphorical work. So in my training, I do a lot of metaphorical work. And that's why my metaphor is the diamond for cafe integrative strategies. Yes. I appreciate you sharing that with us. It's how you take something that we as people might sit there and say, ah, number one, I got to like, open up my privacy. Cause it's, it's, it's really personal when you have someone look at your books or your personal numbers and they have no pre they have no working knowledge of it. It's, it's tough for us to do that. And then for you to help shape a story. So, you know, we're able to, as, as you know, the consumer sit there and say, Oh, wait, I get this. This isn't, this isn't obtrusive. This isn't someone invading my personal space. This is something I have to deal with all the time. It is what it is. And no one wants to deal with mold in their home <laughs> because of a leak or snow. So just attaching it to those yeah. feelings. Yeah. Pe people just really gravitated. Like, I don't want to deal with all the issues of this money leaks that I'm not even aware, aware of. So yes. Yeah. You don't want to really deal with the mold well. in your finances. It's uh, it doesn't yes. do anybody <laughs> any good when you launder that money. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, we had talked about this a little bit earlier and on the solo shows, we talk about success and what does it take to be successful? And I think there are, I mean, there's many things, but a few of them could be mentorship, partnership, experimentation, willingness to fail, and on the flip side, willingness to define success. Because when we define success, we have an essence defined failure. And that's why so many people sit there and say, I'm not going there. I don't want, you know, I don't want to do that. What do you think is, is a key attribute to success? Being in a position where you see the impact that's greater than yourself. And when I really came upon my own mortality on this earth, you know, attending a, the funeral of my sister's sister-in-law at 2022 due, due to uh, cancer, it, it really wakes you up that you are not here uh, forever, and you, but you're here for a reason. And so for me to feel like I'm successful is for me to understand that I did the best, right, theater wrote. Roosevelt's quote, do what you can where you are with what you have. And I love that because, you know, I don't have a million dollars resources right now, you know, but I have a little bit. And I also have the power of the idea to create wealth. A lot. One of my taglines is your creative health affects your financial wealth. And so I want people to think of if you don't have things that you feel that you need, how can you use your creative thinking to produce that? Everything you see around you, even the microphone in front of your face right now was in someone's imagination first. So are you really utilizing all of your faculties to create the life you want? And yeah. that's basically what, what I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, and that, that's a lot right there. That's not just basically, I mean, that is, that, that's like a whole, that's like a whole set of presents under a, a holiday tree, you know, depending on how you see it right there of, of, of what you're bringing to the table. So you know, as we're coming to uh, the end, just a few more questions. I feel that there's always new ideas brewing in times of prosperity. When the world's winning, it's easier to win and soak that in. But I think creativity and ingenuity come when we feel the squeeze. And the world's still feeling the squeeze. What are you working on right now that's going to take place over the next 12 months that excites you? Well, I mentioned it before, and I have to mention it again, intercultural creativity and what that means to say, hey, I can build a company of people 
who not only work well together and respect one another and feel inclusive and have a sense of belonging, but at the same time, during the same training period, I can also build their creative thinking and to put them in a position to be creative courageous and innovative at the same time, I think to me that is mind-blowing because we have separated it and they've both had their issues. And to see that they rest upon the same skills of, you know, mindset, a creative growth mindset, the work from Carol Dweck that that came out. And um, just looking at empathy, having an op- open mind, observation. We when's the last time you woke up and said, you know what, I'm gonna work on my observational skills, you know. And the fact that we don't, there's even sounds we can't hear or things we can't see on the visual spectrum, but our observational skills are, you know, decreasing because of different things going on. So just, yeah, curiosity, perspective shifting, adaptation, and then being a a bridge. All of those modules that that I've created, I believe are going to be profound because people are going to actually understand these are the actual skills that people need in addition to their ac- academic tra- training to really produce something of value and to have a life well lived. And and when this is all packaged together done, where is it that we can go find this amazing body of work, which is only the be not even the beginning, but maybe is like the first quarter of what you're going to complete complete over the next like several decades. But where can we find this? This will be on cafestrategies.com, C-A-F-F-E strategies.com. And CAFE stands for Creative Advancement for Financial Empowerment, because your creative health does affect your financial wealth. So we have workshops, in-person trainings, virtual trainings, and online um, pre-taped trainings. We also have a great group of keynote speakers who are talking about intercultural creativity, flow, bias, you know, living um, a life that you manage your, your bias so it doesn't stop you from creating and connecting and how to just be creatively you. And so we're getting all that together. It is already up now. We're already up and running, but we're still developing as you go because development never stops, right? Yeah. And you've, you, I've, I've, I've been there. I've, I've seen, I go to the website. You've got a big list of creative consultants that have backgrounds in dance and music and, and creativity and arts and, and, and business. I mean, like it's a really robust amount of people that you've got on there that, that round out what you and your team are building. It's, uh, it's beautiful. And I want to point that out At, at the beginning. I said, you know, create, when I said creativity, a lot of people think artistry, right? And so I want people to understand that creativity isn't only artistry. And a lot of people think they're not creative because they're not excellent in in the arts. So I'm trying to dispel that myth. But artistry is critical in your creative growth because artistry, it trains your observational skills. It trains your perspective shifting. It trains your ability to think with your body. Your body is a mode of thought. Your body is an instrument of thought. So if you really want all your faculties to be honed in having some type of experience in the art or some type of workshop or training in the arts will help you in non-arts fields such as business or speaking or whatever you're doing it just makes you even stronger so we have some of the top trainers in the arts to help you be a better person yeah i think we changed the what the word creativity means you know i'll you i'll take one of the ages you mentioned like right around the age of 12 we kind of stopped saying what is creative. But if we really look at what our children are doing before the age of 12, 
it, it doesn't have to be artistic. It doesn't have to be through music, but they're being creative and how they accomplish. They could be creative and how they get out of their crib, you know? And so once we realize the fact that creativity is not based around always just solely the arts, but you can be creative in how you give a gift, how you actually accomplish something with your team. Don't think of creativity because we've ruined the word. And the reality is just think of how that, that infant's getting out of their crib. They're being creative. They're not creating a masterpiece and take that into your business and personal life. Take it from there. All right. Last one. What is a tip, a tactic, an actual item that if anyone implemented that over the next 30, 60, 90 days, they would see a real impact on their personal or business life. You could meet a new person every other day and ask the five W's and a Y, such as, you know, like, what are your thoughts about this? And ask them, I, I call it embracing thy enemy. Whatever your beliefs are about something, let's say it's the best streaming serv- service. You think it's net, net Netflix. Find someone who loves another one. And this is just an, an example. And really get their perspective, you know, and see if, if you could re- really communicate Kate, that. Because that ability, I think, is huge. And then a really quick one is go outside, close your eyes, and just listen. Start to reconnect to your environment. So listen to people deeper, but listen to your environment because your best idea is walking right past you every day. So start to listen and look. It just muted me there. I don't know why. Anyways, editors, you're going to have fun with this one. (laughs) Back to what you said. I love what you said there. Sometimes the simplest things we overcomplicate and it's just taking a step outside, listening, smelling, and, and hearing the tonality of someone that you might not know and what question you to ask them, to learn from them that you can give back. I mean, it can be a two-way street right there. So sometimes the simplest things, we just overcomplicate. We have got the founder of Cafe Intercreative Strategies. America's creative coach, Janine Letford. Janine, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to The Mastermind Effect, your secret weapon for personal development. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode.